What's up, y'all? And welcome to another episode of Worldly Church Girl. It's your girl, your host, Lillian Harshaw. On today's show, I have the founder and CEO of Millionaire Insight. He is a podcaster, a motivational speaker. He also does spoken word. He also has a clothing line. And he also is a financial advisor. It gives me great honor to introduce to you Nicholas Francis. So you were raised in the islands of Trinidad and Tobago. Is that right? Am I saying that right? Uh, it's Tobago. It's a common, it's a common uh, misconception because it just looks like Tobago because of pronunciation. But yeah, it's Tobago. Okay, Tobago. And you were 14 years old when you moved to the United States. And you mm. went to high school in Northern Virginia, D.C. Mm-hmm. And, and in high school, you excelled in language arts, science, and business. And then you, that's pretty much where you found your purpose in life is in that moment, in that season. Yeah, it was shortly shortly after high school, um, actually, where things kind of switched over for me to the way way things are now. But yeah, you could say that. And then you, um, so you are now a spoken word artist. You own your own marketing agency. And you are also a fellow podcasting host. Yeah. <laughs> so, so thrilled to have you on the show. But I want to talk to you about uh, your childhood. What was that like in Trinidad? Well, it's different. And I'd say it's not different bad. It's different good because, you know, obviously, like most people assume, you know, it's slower paced. You know, uh, school was definitely different. Like, out here, you guys, you guys don't wear uniforms. Well, most people don't wear uniforms in public school, but back there, it's pretty much the standard. And you know, education obviously is based on the European way of doing things. So you know, a couple differences there. But living on an island, growing up on an island, was the best because everywhere you go, the beach is still like ten minutes <laughs> away from you know where I live and stuff like that. You know, so just being there, it's a whole different experience. Sometimes it feels like, you know, it feels like another lifetime, the first 14 years of my life, you know what I mean? And, you know, it's been definitely a big change, but it's been the best um, living there and growing up there. It's just a whole different world. And what was your fondest memory of growing up there? I would say the best memories I had was playing marbles with my cousins. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> playing marbles with my cousins in the dirt and just, you know, enjoying the simpler things, enjoying the fact that, you know, you could go you could go walking. And one of the things I love about growing up on an island is the fact that we had like there was there was no way people could go hungry if they didn't really want to because you have fruit growing everywhere. So mm. we used to climb fruit trees and like just like go around different parts of the neighborhood and see who had what and you know it it was a simpler time it definitely was. Wow, especially in the reason? 80s. So what was your reason for moving to the United States? Well, you know, as as with most people, most immigrant families, like, 
you know, it was just a, it was just a, okay, we need to, we need to do something better. We need to, we need to get to the next level and uh, being, you know, second generation, or I should say first generation immigrant. um, My dad came here, you know, um, he used to work for Royal Caribbean and he ended up um, going on a ship and working for six months at a time and just realizing the opportunity uh, which would fundamentally, you know, is a word that fundamentally changed my life because that's that's what I see. That's what I look for. And even back then at 14, I knew that, you know, there was opportunity here. This, America has been known as the land of opportunity for the last hundred years. So, you know, that, that would be what I would say the biggest reason that we migrated to the United States. Now, when you were in high school, and that's where your passion, if you will, your love for for English and the spoken word started, can you share what happened at that moment? It's ironic, because when I tell this story, people don't understand how the, the transition happened. But I was sitting in English class one day. I was probably in, um, I think it was 12th grade English. 12th grade English class and just, you know, hearing about poetry, you know, always reading, you know, always reading, I love to read kind of thing and always seeing different artists and and marveled at the work that they put out. And just like back then it was like writing in rhyme is what I focused on. And I was like, I can't do that. It was so intimidating for me um, to, to write in rhyme. And like, I felt imprisoned by, you know, trying to write in rhyme and I was sitting in English class and my teacher, I'll never forget him till the day I die, Mr. Miller, he said to me after I told him, I said, listen, I'm struggling <laughs> with this writing and rhyme thing and I don't know what to do for this assignment. So you got, you got to tell me what to do, help me out. And he said the simplest statement, he said, a poem is what the poet says it is. And as simple as that sounds, from that moment, my whole outlook on poetry changed. And it was like a switch flipped. I went from being imprisoned by rhyming to just being able to create a piece from one specific word or a concept. And it mm. just flowed. It's like the floodgates opened. Yes. It's funny because I remember my senior English teacher too, Mr. Combs, because mm-hmm. he made me fall in love with like um, just like Shakespeare and those type of moments and poetry too. But it was just the just the written word. I fell in love mm-hmm. because of him because he was so passionate when he was telling these stories. And I was like, I want to be that passionate about something. So, yeah, yeah, I get it. Teachers have a huge impact. They really do. Underpaid. So, yeah, exactly. You need to get that fixed <laughs> immediately. And, you know, and um, my wife, I tell my wife this all the time, and we end up talking about this all the time because she's a teacher. She's actually in childcare. And I told her, you know, the Holy Spirit showed me, you know, how important, just how important teachers are. Because if you think about it, every profession on this planet sits in front of a teacher at some given point, mm-hmm. any given point. There's thousands of professions out there. 
and there's millions of people out there, and every one of them has sat in front of one teacher that has made a profound difference in their lives. So it's pro- it probably should be the highest paying career out there, but you know, <laughs> yeah. not many people have that vantage point. You know? Right, absolutely. Now, do you remember your first big moment in your poetry career? Do you remember that first poem that you read in front of a, a crowd? I remember, I can't remember the piece, but I can remember the moment. Um, I remember the first time because even there's even a moment between me crossing over written word to me crossing through being, you know, doing spoken word. And I was at church, and it was by far the probably biggest event that I have ever asked been asked to read in front of. There was like maybe 350 people. Now, keep in mind, up until that point, the biggest group I've ever sat in front of or stood in front of to read a poem was probably like 25 people. Wow, you so, did a huge jump, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, so a little bit. So I remember getting up on the platform there at church and just I was like holy ghost I don't know what to do because I knew I wrote stuff down mm-hmm. but I was so nervous that I couldn't remember where to start so I opened up the paper and obviously like this still happens to me today where people will be looking at me and they're going okay what's he gonna say and is he really nervous so I'm like, I could literally feel my heart beating in my throat. And I look down at the paper and look at the first sentence. And the Holy Spirit just told me, he was like, just read the first line and trust me for the rest. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, okay, I'll try. And as soon as that first word left my mouth, the next thing I remember was the whole room standing up and just everybody just clapping because... I was I was kind of floored because I didn't I, I didn't believe I could do it because I was so nervous about doing spoken word for the first time. What are your favorite poems that you've written? Let's see. It's hard to pick just one. Mm-hmm. Um, I I'm I'm in the process of putting back together um, a book that I that I started way back when. Uh, it's called Songs of the Heart. Um, it was a poem I wrote for my wife before we got married, before I even met her. It was basically just describing, you know, my anxiousness about, you know, waiting to meet her and just talking about how much I cared about her and the possibility of our future and just, you know, my willingness to let God lead me to her. And it was it was pretty short, but um, unfortunately, I don't have it with me now. But that's basically the premise of what it was, just a love letter to my wife before I met her. Oh, that's yeah. so sweet. Did she ever read it? Uh, she hasn't gotten a chance to read it yet, but I have a surprise for her. So, yeah, that's coming. I did we just ru- I was just gonna say, did we just ruin a surprise? <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus! By the, time, by the time she gets it, she'll it'll be it'll be out. That'll be before, before the episode comes out. So, okay. 
All right, I was gonna say, oh Lord, I'm gonna edit this out. <laughs> okay, so let's go into your marketing agency. What is that about? What's it called? Well, this it's so funny that it was a, it was at a tweener point in my life where, you know, I had always been looking to do something, anything that um, in reference to business and reference to starting to you know, make online income and things like that. Like I've been bouncing around the internet, searching for a viable way to make online income. And by that time I had found certain things that kind of puttered along a little bit. Uh, but it was, I uh, met a friend of mine, his name is Justin Springer, a uh, real, real powerful speaker as well. And he kind of put me into the online space as far as, you know, getting more exposure and things like that. But the thing that kind of kind of got me too was one night I was watching YouTube, and on one of my one of my YouTube binges I saw Ty Lopez come across the screen, and um, he was basically talking about a marketing agency, a social media marketing agency, and for what for the last I think for the year previous to that moment, I had been you know, creating ads on Facebook, trying to help, you know, like my family members learn how to advertise on social media, how social media works and things like that and helping out um, my friend Justin and things like that. But it kind of clicked when, you know, I was watching the video and he was talking about helping small business owners. And, you know, we're we're always we're, we're called to help people. We're called to be a blessing to others, and I figured that that would be one of the best ways to help out business owners like myself. Uh, and knowing how to grow their online presence, knowing how to how to boost their image, not only online but offline as well, and you know just how advertising works online and things like that. So. It kind of clicked. I was like, you know, can I really do this as far as, you know, what it takes to do it? But it, it, it doesn't, it just takes a willingness to start. And I just did it, you know, and the rest is history. I, I've been helping out small business owners uh, for a good while now. So what do you think was your main reason for uh, leading you to help people with their money issues? Because I recognize even in my own life that there is something called too much, no money. And I don't know, you know, not many people are familiar with what that means, but it literally is where you're making too much to get assistance from the government or to get assistance otherwise, mm -hmm. but you make, you make too little money to survive. So, you know, being someone that came from that crack where it's like, okay, I can't, I'm not in one group or the other. I realize as with anything in life, you're not the only one in the situation you're in, you know, mm -hmm. and because any, any, any business on any successful business owner will tell you that you don't sell products or services or just exchange goods, but the way you win in business is you solve problems. And mm -hmm. that was one of the reasons why I got into finance because I wanted to help people succeed financially and not just get, 
you know, get a couple hundred dollars in their paycheck or whatever it is. And, you know, to save maybe 500 to to $1,000 a month or whatever it is, you know, I wanted to help other people get to financial independence. And even though that number varies from person to person, it's something that people sorely need because people are barely treading water, especially with the current landscape. And there's a huge market for people that need that kind of help. It used to be where it was eight out of 10 people are living paycheck to paycheck. Now it's 10 out of 10 people are living paycheck to Tuesday night in the middle class. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I saw that and just, you know, having, you know, the Holy Spirit calling me all this time to, you know, ministry and not just po- like from the pulpit, but just to be a blessing, to be able to serve people that I, I was like, there is no bigger way to be able to have a bigger impact, you know, other than your, other than your Christian walk and leading people to Christ, than to help them getting, get back on their feet financially and be stable. Cause money may, the money isn't everything, but when you don't have it, it is absolutely everything. Yeah. Cause I remember when I was got divorced mm-hmm. and so it was down to one single income of four children and when I went to get financial aid, they told me I made five dollars too much. I said, "What am I supposed to do with that five dollars?" <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that five dollars is not going to even give me a a good three gallons worth of gas. Exactly. I'm like, "Are you serious?" And they was like, "Sorry." I was like, uh, "So yeah, helping people financially is definitely a need, and people shouldn't be too proud to ask for help." But that's then- another problem that we have and i'm glad you said that because that needs to be said 10,000 times a day as loud as possible because especially in the black community and in the minority community it is such a taboo thing because people have so much pride about okay this person is going to see you know how much i make how much i spend how much and and then it's even it's even medically too like we have issues with telling people that need to know our business in order to help us telling them their business you mm-hmm. know what i mean mm-hmm. it's just you know it's it's one of the things that really holds us back as a sect of people is that we're not even willing to say let me listen to you to see how you can help you know because you just figured that you got it you know what i mean and i don't mean i obviously don't mean you personally i know you mean i know us as a people you just figure you got it and we we ask our we ask our cousins neighbors friends auntie who are not even in financial services not even a certified professional about what do they think, but then they're not even headed where we want to go financially, but we won't talk to the professional because we don't we think that okay, maybe it might not be something that I could benefit from. It's something that really holds us back as a people. It really does. Mm-hmm. And we think, well, one, like you said, it's pride. Two, mm-hmm. we like, well, they probably want something from me. Mm-hmm. so I don't trust nobody exactly 
And it's just there's so many there's so many different avenues out there because the the Bible talks about you have not because you ask not. And that's that's what I believe is at the root of our problem is that we don't want to ask because we inherently we don't think we deserve to ask. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think is a problem is that we need to step away even as a even as a people, as human beings, we need to stop figuring that we don't deserve we don't deserve happiness. We don't deserve financial independence. We don't deserve to have a life that you don't need a vacation from. Right. Because people are out there getting it. And that's the thing. Like, okay, just just personally speaking, I in the last 10 years. I've learned so many things that are available to people that they're not even thinking of taking advantage of because of the fact that, okay, what will people think about me if I go, let's say, for example, for example, like getting a house built for uh, from um, um, Habitat for Humanity, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's something that's out there, but people don't know. And even those who know they have excuses like, okay, how would that make me look? How would people perceive me going to a government agency to help me get this or help me get that? Or even things like the Section 8 program that they give you housing vouchers and things like that. Like like when I when I was in my 20s and stuff like that, I was like, what, what would I go do that for? I'm working. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And even just the general knowledge to say, hey, you know, I need help coming up with a budget. That's that's one of the things that that's one of the simplest things that is so fundamental to someone's financial house. But people don't think that it's okay for them to ask, hey, can you help me come up with a budget? Because it makes them look incompetent financially. And that's mm-hmm. what they don't want. They don't want to look incompetent. They don't want to look like they're not sure. They always want to look like they're confident and they're able to handle themselves but when in fact and in truth most people in the middle class most of us are living what i like to call the eggshell lifestyle mm-hmm. where you get one two maybe three good things let's say your water heater breaks your transmission goes and you got a flood in your house all in the same month or in the, in the same quarter guess what happens to your financial house Mm-hmm. You lose yeah. it, yeah. Because those, and it just takes those three things. But you see them, you see most people. They drive a late model car. They live in a half a million dollar home or more. But you don't know that they're living that extra lifestyle because you don't really talk to people like that. And that's right. a whole other story. So right, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's so there's so much to that. It's not even funny. So. You have a podcast. So does your podcast talk about these type of topics? Yes, indeedy. Okay, um, what's the name of your podcast? Um, my podcast is called Freedom Fridays. Um, and it stemmed from my Facebook show, Freedom Fridays, um, where it talks about money, the rules of money, how to win in the money game, and more, more importantly than that, God's perspective on money and wealth building and financial independence, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think church folks have a hard time with that for several <laughs> reasons. 
reason. I don't know what that is. Oh, yeah. But it's like if God wants us to have life and have it more abundantly, mm-hmm. that, doesn't that cover money? <laughs> you see, and, and this is the thing, too. Even where, I, even where I come from in Trinidad, you know, there is a perspective that being poor and lowly and and mm-hmm. and and wanting and being in want is next to godliness when it couldn't be the furthest thing from the truth. Mm-hmm. The Bible says, I come that you may have life and that you may have life more abundantly. It's not just talking about joy and happiness. It's not just talking about being fruitful and multiplying. When it talks about even that, talking about being fruitful and multiplying, it's also referring to monetary wise. Mm-hmm. If you look at men like David, look at men like Solomon, look at men like even even um, Matthew, which was a tax collector. These were men of substance and of standard, but they were also men of God. Mm-hmm. You know, having wealth doesn't make you a bad person. And that and and again, in the black community, in the minority community, it's always the the inherent perspective is that you don't you see somebody who's wealthy or who has money they're bad people because they don't want to share with us and they're not willing to spread the wealth so they're bad people so aspiring to be wealthy is a bad thing right we have been indoctrinated so much that having money is a bad thing that even today in 2020 we run competition with each other to see who has more debt. Think yes. about it. Oh, yes. I have I have four credit cards in my name. You wouldn't believe what the balances are. How much is your student loan balance? How much are you behind on your student loan payments? How much are they charging you in interest? Oh, that's a crime. That should be illegal. I have 10,000. No, I have 50,000. And it's like, is is that the competition you really want to win at? Right. And and I think the scripture that people always hang on to when it comes to money it, and they kind of tw- forget the words. Mm-hmm. They just they just like the scripture just part of it is for the love of money is the root of all evil and that says which while some covet after. Mm-hmm. They, they forget the whole exactly. scripture. Just because you have money, it does not mean that you love money and that exactly. you covet after money. Exactly, and and it's, it's it's funny that it's funny that you said that because, and and people people inherently use that to say having money is a bad thing. The Bible says the love of money, which means when you put money over other things more importantly when you put money and the pursuit of money over god right that's when it becomes evil that's when it's it's the very incarnation of evil because why you're willing to do anything to get money right that's the problem having money having wealth having having simple things like an emergency fund People don't even know. Most people in the middle class don't even know what it takes to have a fully funded emergency fund. And that is simply, simply three months, three to six months 
of all of your life expenses, your mm-hmm. rent, your bills, whatever have you. It's three to six months of your entire life expense. Most people don't even know what that number is, far less for their financial independence number. Well, if this is what your podcast is about, people definitely need to tune in Mm -hmm. for sure. So what made you choose podcasting to spread this message? It, It was something that made me uncomfortable. (laughs) <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> for, for for lack for lack of a better way of saying it, it's something that made me uncomfortable because um, I've always had people tell me, you know, you have you have the voice for radio. You could you should do some kind of radio show, some kind of something with your voice because you have one of those voices. And I was like, what do you mean I have one of those voices? I kind of looked at those sideways like, what do you mean I have one of those voices? And even my uncle was telling me, you really, really do have a voice for radio. And that really made me the prospect of being on the radio and talking for people to listen and things like that. Um, It really made me uncomfortable, ironically being I was already doing a Facebook live show for at least three years, you know? Oh, okay. My hand is up. Now, (laughs) how is it easier for you to do Facebook live versus podcasting? Because it's easier for me to do podcasting versus Facebook live. Because like, okay. So ironically, it's the fact that, you know, people can't see me. And people can't see my my physical appearance and the point I'm trying to make translate through my physical appearance. That made me nervous because, like, for me, just something smaller, I would prefer to have a conversation with a person, let's say about a serious situation or a misunderstanding that I have over, you know, in a person-to-person matter than over text because there's so much that can be misunderstood. And me talking... Like do it like this format on a podcast. It made me nervous because it's like, okay, people, I don't know who I'm connecting to. I can't look at anybody. I can't, you know, it's it's hard. And even to see like you're doing a live show, you can see the comments, you can see the interactions, you can see people responding to what you're saying, and you kind of know the energy that's coming. And with podcasting, you're just sitting there talking. I'm like, I don't even know if I can do that. But I downloaded, um, shout out to Anchor, because Anchor is just the best, um, Anchor FM. Um, I downloaded the app, and I did what it said to do. Just hit record and record your first record your first show and see if you like it. And I did that, and I recorded something else. <laughs> <laughs> and I liked that one, and I put that one up, and I've been doing it ever since. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, so well we're a little opposite on that one because I'm yeah. I'm like I don't want everybody staring at me. I know. <laughs> so that's that's my fear and that Lord is helping me to get past that. Um so wearing so many hats, because I didn't even mention that you have a clothing line on top of everything <laughs> else. So wearing so many hats, how do you find time to reboot? I, you know, it's decompression is such a pivotal thing. It's so vital. And I do my best to take little moments 
out of my day just to do something I want to do and do something that makes me happy, do something that makes me smile. And it could be just maybe watching a YouTube video, watching something funny. I love to laugh. Mm-hmm. So I'm always watching like like one of my favorite shows of all time is probably Family Matters. So I might take 30 minutes out of my day and just watch an episode if I'm in the middle of my day or if I'm off, I might go into a full-blown marathon. So I <laughs> uh, you know, you have to take these little moments to really decompress and it doesn't have to be, you know, a retreat where you have to go away for 6 months to kind of gather yourself and get yourself together. For me, it can be something as simply taking an hour just to step away from the computer because I also work from home. So I have to step away from my computer, wait, you know, when my kids are asleep, you know, and just do something that really nourishes me. And, you know, other times I, I love to listen to Tony Evans, um, I, I sit there and I listen to maybe two, three episodes and I just let the Holy Spirit kind of wash stuff away because you can get really, really busy and you can get really, really anxious about deadlines for so many things. Cause if you think about it, you're in financial services, you're doing a podcast, you're doing a live show, you're, you're having to meet deadlines for your clothesline and another section is dropping this week. Do you have that right fitting? Do you have that right design? All these kind of things can really weigh on you. But if you take these little moments out of your day just to do something, even if it's 10, 15 minutes, just to decompress, it really, really helps. Hey, man. I tell my, as part of my um, daily mantra, I, I, I tell myself, I'm going to make time to do something just for me every day. So, yes, I agree. Now, what advice would you give someone whose plate is so overflowing like yours? What advice would you give them? I would would say look again (laughs) because it's what I had to do. You know, I hear all the time, you know what, Nick? I'm just too busy, man. I got kids. I have a job. I have a sideline business. I got a side hustle I'm I'm going on to. I got so many things going on right now. But really, what do you have going on? Take a look at it and say, okay, is this really moving my life forward? Is this a part of my life's work? And that's what that, those are the questions that I had to ask myself because I am by by the Holy Spirit just drawn to just being focused on purpose. I've been big on purpose from ever since he gave me this mandate to help people and minister to people to find their purpose. Um, I've been just so laser focused on you need to pick things in your life, the things that you do, even if you're busy doing 10 different things, those 10 things have to be moving your life forward. And trust me, 10 years ago, before I had anything started other than a job, I really didn't have people approaching me. But the minute you have something going on, the minute you got a business started or you got a little side hustle going, you have 25 different people every day 
telling you about this new thing. Hey, you should try this. Hey, you should try that. Hey, you should get into this. But the thing that I use to make the determining factor on what it is I do and what it is I focus on is, is the Holy Spirit leading me to that? And is that what he's asking me to do? And secondly, does that fit into the overall journey? How does that help move the overall goal forward? So that's a big part of taking a look at what you got going on. Take a look at that plate and see if everything on there needs to be on there. And then just pray about it and really seek the face of God because the Bible says, acknowledge me in all your ways and I will direct your path. So just pray about it and see what the Lord has you to do. Because for me, I had to figure out, okay, what is the main goal that God wants me to accomplish? And it was to help people find their purpose and more importantly, help them you know, dream again and and believe and have faith and just, you know, know that they deserve more than they accept, you know. So find that main goal and make sure the 10 things you have on your plate is moving you forward to accomplishing your life's work. Because everybody on this planet has one thing that God put them on this earth to accomplish. Amen. So how can people get in contact with you? Well, I'm all I'm all on social media. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. I can't do Snapchat though. I, I don't know what's going on with that. But um, <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on Facebook on my public figure page, Nicholas Francis, Mr. Millionaire Insight. Um, I'm on Instagram at Mr. Millionaire Insight, and I'm also on YouTube. Um, at Millionaire Insight, the number four and the word life um, on YouTube.com. And you could also check out the Friday, uh, the Friday, the Freedom Friday podcast. Sorry. Um, just look up Freedom Fridays on anchor.fm and you'll be able to listen to the podcast. Hey, man. All right. Here is your last question. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. If you could have any song be your theme song when you walk into a room, what would it be and why? Um, this might be a little funny, but um, it's called You Can't Stop Me by Andy Mineo. Um, I listened to that song and I fell in love with that song because of the fact that it just is a mantra and I believe that if God be for you, who can stand against you? Yes. You know, so if I got, and it's funny, one of the, one of the lyrics in the song goes, if, if God is on my side and he's with me, who are you to stop me? Yes. If I, it, it, even I can't stop me, I think is what he says. Even I can't stop me in the song. Wow. So I love that song. So. Okay. I would I would say if I had to pick one, it would be that. Okay. Well, that should be it then. <laughs> <laughs> it's about what you feeling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed you. Thanks for taking your time out and being on my show. 
Thank you so much. It was a pleasure being on your show. It's a pleasure being a part of the process. And I pray God continue to expand your borders at Worldly Church Girl and just take you to new to new heights in him. And hopefully we can have you on the show at Freedom Fridays. We'd love to have you. Absolutely. Just send me an invite. Yep, <laughs> <definitely>. <laughs> Thank you, Nicholas, for being on my show. I really enjoyed you. Thank you for all your informative information and things that we just need to know as far as finances go, life, and business. And if you would like to be on Worldly Church Girl, click the link below, shoot me an email, and let's see what we can do with that thing. And have you subscribed? Hit that subscription button so you will not miss another episode. And as always, thanks for joining your one and only Worldly Church Girl.